Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out, and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully, in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello, and welcome to the Fire in the Belly show. Today, we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Liz Rutledge and Dr. Serena Bullard. Good morning to you, I believe. It's morning or afternoon? I lose track. It is morning. Good morning. Good morning, Pete. <laughs> welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. So listen, tell us, who are you both and where are you from? Well, I'm um, Serena and I live in Denver, Colorado, and I am on a very interesting journey and I'm excited to help people live their best lives. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I'm also from Denver, Colorado, Liz Rutledge, and I teach mindfulness because of various, we'll get into it later, but various reasons. I'm a mom of three and um, have had many adventures through life that have helped me evolve to this point. So, Wow. So you guys have come together, so basically, and you're running the, the wellness, uh, the winning wellness experience, and that's where you, you're sort of combined forces. That's, so give us a bit of a background. What exactly is it you, you guys are bringing to the world? Well, I will say I, I've almost died three times in my life, so I know that this life is a gift, and I want people to be armed with all the tools they need to be able to deal with the challenges we all face in our lives. And so Liz and I are really specific about finding scientifically proven tools to help people with their lives. And being a pharmacist is important to have science-based tools for me. Mm. Are you so that's interesting because typically, well, not I suppose scientific people in the scientific background and then moving into the wellness industry, it's it's different, right? So there's there's not a lot of science always can be applied to the the wellness, the conscious side, et cetera. That's more how do you feel, which is hard to put a label on or put a science on it, right? This is true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been has it been you know, tell us how long is this actual this partnership and and your current situation? How long have you been at that then, and and how has it all come about? Well, I'll just give you a little bit of my background, and that'll help dovetail. So, I um, when my oldest was twelve, she's now almost twenty one. Um, there was a boy who took his own life at the age of fourteen, and I was drawn to teach, start teaching mindfulness to kids and middle schoolers. And at the same time, I was doing a blog about sustainable living. And a few years after that, I was involved in my child's high school. And we were hearing all these stories of issues with sexual consent and issues with drugs. And I just felt like there wasn't enough information for parents. So we started this program called the Angel Talks, where we would bring, we would bring in experts in the fields. And we didn't just talk about really heavy stuff. We also talked about like ways that they can be resilient and happy and whatever else and finding tools to be happier beings in the world. And Serena and I met through a friend who um, I've, I've known for years who did Toastmasters. So my friend Diana introduced me to Serena and Serena and another friend of hers, Keith, came and did our very first angel talk where we had them come speak in person and it was professionally recorded and we have now videos on the website. 
And Serena and I got to talking and I was like, I'm really passionate about kids and mindfulness and all these things. And she was like, awesome. I, I'm really passionate about teaching about resilience and happiness and visioning. And so we've actually merged our skills into this winning wellness experience. So we started doing workshops in 2018, 2019, beginning of 2019. And we had a year and a half or two of um, a year and a half, I guess, of doing in-person workshops with people and we're getting good feedback and all of 2020 was scheduled out. We were like, yes, it's finally clicking into place. We're going to really be able to help people and then COVID. So what we've done is just converted that workshop into five courses online. And then since then, we've partnered, and we can talk about this later, but we've partnered with six co-creators to bring in food and fitness and sleep and all the different aspects of health and wellness. So, yeah. That's quite how the, quite the journey you. then. And obviously, you've, you've evolved as, as has the world, I suppose, and, and the, uh, the situation we've just gone through. So tell me, what's, what's your overall vision and mission here? I mean, what, what do you foresee or what's the, you know, the ideal world, I suppose, putting it out there and, and what we're trying to manifest? Well, I think that we as humans need to be intentional in our day and be conscious about the things that we do. And I feel like many times if we're not conscious, we'll sometimes say, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And there's a ripple effect and the way we present ourselves has an impact on the people around us and our environments. And I want to encourage people to be mindful of their actions, their words, everything that they do in their day, because this life is too short. And, you know, as you know, I've almost died three times in my life and you never know what tomorrow holds. And I want people to be present because, you know, you don't know what tomorrow will hold for you. Yeah. And similar for me, just I grew up with the tools that I teach, the breath work to control pain and able to ways to alleviate stress. And I'm not saying I haven't grown up with anxiety myself. That's why I do what I do, in fact. Um, but I really feel passionate to have, especially young people, I think the younger we can be teaching stress relieving techniques and, you know, ways to have a growth mindset will ultimately help children be better adults, maybe have less trauma or be able to navigate through and heal from trauma ultimately. And so I think we just, you know, we just want to be able to reach as many people as possible with this work. You know, and so we're actually, we've done this course. It's really more geared towards adults, but we actually are working on a kids course that we want to put out there that'll just be a little bit more um, tailored, tailored, simplified, I guess I would say, for younger people. Mm. Also, I was going to say, I mean, what's the difference really between working with adults and working with children? Because, I mean, I mean, is it, is it a form of inner child work regardless or, you know, are children typically more susceptible or what what's your reasoning here if you don't mind me asking? i'll just say it straight children are easier <laughs> <laughs> they have less baggage that they're carrying so it's easier to reach them and they're much more open and receptive to closing their eyes and sitting still believe it or not it's mm -hmm. uh it's pretty awesome. Of course, with children, I keep the, the breathing exercises to sort of one, maybe two minutes. And with adults, maybe we're going three to five with uh, sitting still and breathing. But uh, I've had much more smoother experience in educating kids about mindfulness and breath work and that kind of stuff. 
Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I was going to say sometimes kids are easy to work with, but they have the moments too, right? You know, it's, it's always a, it's always a fun mix. But tell me, what does fire in the belly mean to mean to both of you? Well, for me, fire in the belly is passion. And I feel like my fire in the belly is that because I have almost died three times, I really want people, as I said earlier, to be present, to enjoy this life and to know that it is a gift and that we are here for a reason. And what is your fight? What is your passion? I want people to delve into that for themselves. Yeah. And for me, I grew up in Colorado and witnessed, um, you know, the brown cloud, they call it. it, used to be just over the buildings downtown. And now that brown cloud stretches for miles and miles and miles. And I've witnessed having the sun feel super strong on my skin, stronger than it ever has. So you can feel that hole in the ozone layer. Like I've noticed and witnessed personally the the climate crisis that we're facing right now, the the change that's going to affect us all if we don't act quickly. And I've put three children into the world. And so I feel a, a purpose a fire, I guess, to get those children to be able to experience this beautiful world that we live in, mm. but also be able to navigate the challenges that we are dealing with and are going to deal with going forward. Being able to find calm helps us think more clearly, helps us focus better, helps us have better decision-making skills because we're lighting up our free prefrontal cortex. And so it's just, for me, it's like, I, I just feel like this strong pull to help, to support, to educate people in helping this world be the best it can be and our experience of it, the best it can be. Mm. Gosh, yeah. It's, I mean, there's strong motivations there for change, right? You know, it's that ability to, you know, look at your environment and, you know, as you were saying there, Serena, I suppose it's, it's living in the now, you know, it's, mm -hmm. we can always push it till tomorrow and somebody else's problem, or maybe we could, maybe couldn't, but when you reach those points, I suppose, in your life when it is non-negotiable or you realize the, I suppose, the temporary nature of life, precious, but also potentially very temporary too. Does it give you an appreciation, do you think? I feel like I am very grateful and grateful. Expressing my gratitude is a huge thing in my life because there was a time when I get emotional that I couldn't, I had a traumatic brain injury and I was in a coma for 18 days, hospital for two and a half months. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't feed myself. And I didn't think I was going to make it. And I couldn't even go to the bathroom, but I had to have somebody with me all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's so much that we take for granted as humans, you know, that I feel like we need to be able to know that these are gifts that can be taken away at any time. And it's a gift to be able to see, talk, interact with people, you know, and I feel like people take that for granted. It's, it's amazing. Isn't it? and, and Liz, I mean, when you're working with people, do you, do you tend to find that you can see things in people that they maybe can't see for themselves? Like with kids, for example, their capabilities or adults that they have strengths that they maybe don't recognize in themselves? Yeah, I would say that's true. But I think also just we all end up with these stories in our heads. You know, I had them too and still do occasionally. And I think recognizing that, you know, we all we all have these lungs. And so I point that out, like 
we all have lungs that we have from the moment we're born until the moment we die. They're always with us. So we can always have something at our disposal to help us through challenges. And so I always go back to that breath work. Not everybody's comfortable with breath work, but, but yeah, I mean, I think um, there's always two kids in the room and I've learned like there's always two adults in the room that are just super skeptical and I actually reached one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was speaking to a group in Las Vegas and this guy was just like, wow, I'm really, I didn't think I was into this stuff, but now I'm curious. And uh, I think that that's the, just coming back to that story, you know, we all have stories of resistance and, um, and but we all carry trauma. We all have something that they say that usually there's something that happens between zero and three years of age that causes something that has us go through the rest of our lives with the story. And if we can start to recognize that, I am not answering your question. Um, but I'm just realizing like, yes, I can see the skepticism. And so I just usually acknowledge it or I can see if somebody's struggling and I acknowledge it. I just acknowledge the elephant in the room and say, you know, I can see that you are upset by this. Let's try something else. Or I can see that you're skeptical. That's okay. Why don't you just sit quietly so the rest of the class can experience this and just try to maybe follow up with them later if I can. It's hard with online. I've been actually making videos for the school for the last year and a half, which is really hard because I'm not able to connect with the kids. I'm just making these videos and hoping that they're doing this stuff, but I'm getting good feedback. Um, again, I don't feel like I'm answering your question, but I, I do feel like it is a superpower to be able to walk into a room. And like one time I did the mindfulness for 250 middle schoolers on the day before Halloween. And I know Halloween's huge there in Ireland. You can just imagine these kids are like bouncing off the walls and getting them all to sit still for two minutes. It just feels like I can reach almost anyone with this work, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm. What what does stillness do? And that sort of taking that time, you know, in your experience, what can happen or what's what's possible? Uh, it makes us be able to respond thoughtfully rather than reacting. Mm -hmm. So if we can take a moment and go, gosh, I'm judging that person that just cut me off in traffic. Okay, take a moment, take a breath. Why am I doing that? And what's going on for that? What could possibly be going on for that person? If we all did that with everything and everybody in our lives, imagine the possibilities. You know, maybe we wouldn't go to war. Maybe we could actually have conversations in the government and solve problems. You know, just taking a moment and going, okay, what is driving that person that cut me off in traffic? Are they late for an appointment? Are they late for work? Is their spouse, you know, their wife in labor and about to have a baby and they're not there? Um, if they're late for the job, this is the last time and they lose the job. And that means they're the single earner in their household, you know, just trying to, and this is something I actually learned from my husband, just because I used to go to rage on the road a lot, you know, and I'm just that one example. Um, but he would be like, what if that person is, you know, their wife is, is in the hospital right now. They've just been in a horrible accident kind of a thing. So I think that, that getting present helps us be able to acknowledge, what, is this really a problem? What's happening for me right now in this moment? You know, I always tell the kids like, in this moment, right this very second, we are safe mm -hmm. right now. We're safe until we aren't. And so we need to just continually come back to that. 
in America here, we have a lot of um, drills for the kids, shooter drills, active shooter drills, where they have to hide under desks and go into corners and close doors. And that's terrifying. And my daughter actually called me from school one day. It was like, mom, I'm, we're in a shooter drill. And I was like, well, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm just saying to myself, I am safe all as well. And I was like, that's perfect. Um, you know, I am safe and all is well right now until I'm not. And so that gets you, that keeps you functioning mentally. That helps you think more clearly, have better decision-making abilities and whatnot. So that's the magic of the present moment, I would say. Mm. And I would like to add to something that Liz said about lungs, because they, it's fascinating because the science behind the lungs is, you know, we're the land of shallow breathers, at least in America we are. And when you breathe shallow, you're basically stimulating what's called the sympathetic nervous system receptors, which causes more a sense of anxiety. But when we breathe deeper to our lungs, we stimulate what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which will help bring on more calmness. So there's science behind why deep breaths work for people. And I don't think people realize that because you want to be able to take that deep breath and be present and be calm. That's great. Because I mean, I was going to ask you know, to clarify for people exactly what breath work is. So I mean, to expand a bit on that, really, you know, so then you would go through a set of exercises, take it to, to, to breathe deeper through your routine, through even just awareness, right, of, of actually how you're breathing, your depth of breath through the nose, typically, I assume, and, and you know, and just and preparing yourself for a situation. Is that a... Well, I, I would like to also add that I'm what's called a heart math trainer and coach. And there's so much information about the communication between the heart and the brain and also being focused on your heart when you're doing deeper breaths. And it's fascinating to me because our heart creates the largest magnetic field, rhythmic electromagnetic field in our bodies. And our emotions are energy and motion. And people can feel this. And they say, you know, we've got this toroidal field that it's going out. And they've measured what's in our brain can be measured out one inch. But what's in our heart can be measured out more than three feet. So what emotions you are experiencing, people can feel this. And to be conscious of that, because many times, like Liz mentioned, we've got those thoughts in our minds and we've got those soundtracks at play. And sometimes those gremlins like to get in there and edit in a negative soundtrack. But we need to catch ourselves and put a halt to that and allow us like, no, I am a good person. I am capable. Instead of saying, no, you can't do this. You can't, you know, and allowing yourself to connect with your heart and who you truly are. Out of interest, would you consider yourself heart-led or head-led? I'm more of a heart-led person, for sure. Yeah, me too. Mm. It's interesting because you both use very kinesthetic language, which I find super interesting. You know, there's a lot of feeling, there's a lot of sensing, a lot of touching, you know, that that side, which is, is super interesting because that's also quite strong in the visualization field as well. So I'm just curious if that's something you're aware of and, and it's something you're aware of, I suppose. Well, we, she does teach a class on visioning. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm very conscious of that because if you can envision what you want in your life, you're more apt to open up your reticular activating system and have more things come into your path that will help move you in that direction. And you hmm. can see those connections like, oh, I can connect this person with this person and it might help them or it might help me or whatever it might be. I feel like 
when you have a vision of what you want to create, you're more apt to see things to help facilitate that. Mm. Yeah, very, very powerful. What about you, Liz? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I have always known that I'm a feeling person for a variety of reasons. I use that language all the time. Uh, Anyone who's into astrology knows that a cancer, which I'm a cancer, is very, I feel, I feel this, that, and the other thing. Um, I've also been introduced something called clarity, the clarity principle of clarity international. And they talk about the frequencies of our emotions and our thought processes. And I've been told that I'm a heart centered, green chakra, heart chakra centered person. So the words and the language I use vibrate at those frequencies. And that's a whole nother interview, <laughs> I suspect. But yeah, I mean, I, I, if something shocking happens, I feel it right there at the heart center. And um, I don't know if you have, do you know about the reticular activating system? A little bit, a little bit, okay. yeah. Yeah. So what she's talking about is like that thing where if you get the idea of buying a Porsche, you're going to see Porsches everywhere kind of a thing because our brain starts to filter. filter That's that's super interesting, especially with children, right? Because they're so much more imaginative. They're so much less restricted, if you like, or or sort of shrouded in beliefs or or disbeliefs, if you like. Uh, So I'm just wondering, is that the visualization side and and the, the particular activating system is more powerful in kids, do you think, or in children? I bet they're huge manifestors. Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, I've never looked into that. I'll be curious. Now you're now I want to research this. I'm not sure about that. But I would think because so many times as adults, we say, that's not possible. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. There's no way because we have those self-limiting beliefs. And I feel like we need to know that the strength that's inside of us is stronger than any circumstance, situation, or challenge that we're facing. But we have to believe in ourselves to move ourselves through that. And, you know, as I mentioned, I was, in, I had that bicycle accident, was in the coma, and they said that I wasn't going to be able to go back to work as a pharmacist, that I wasn't going to be able to walk again. And I proved them wrong. I went back to work as a pharmacist and for five years and, you know, being a pharmacist, I want to encourage people. I watch them catch and spread many things and I want them to catch and spread happiness. And I joke because I say I want a daily dose of happiness and dose is an acronym. The D stands for dopamine, O for oxytocin, S for serotonin, and E for endorphins. Because these are the chemicals that are produced when we're happy, which can have a positive physiological effect on our bodies. And I think that that's really important for us to put things in our day that can bring happiness. Are we going to be always happy? No, because we're human. We go up and down on our emotional roller coaster that we sometimes have, you know? But the higher the frequency of the emotions that we maintain, I think we're more likely to achieve those visions. So I think kids, I would say that most kids are generally happier than most adults, (laughs) just by default. So I think they probably could manifest super quickly, I would think, just based on, you know, their own experience and whatnot. How close do you both feel that you are to your true selves? After years of work, uh, therapy, lots of books, so many conversations, so many self-improvement programs, I feel now that I am this last year probably as close to being what I think I am or feel I am inside. But man, it's been a long journey. I just turned 50. (laughs) Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I would say that... 
I've been faced with lots of obstacles in my life. You know, I said I went back to work as a pharmacist after the first head injury. And then I had a second head injury. And now I can't practice pharmacy. So I'm having to re, you know, invent myself. And I feel like I'm being guided to this place. And I was inspired to write a book. And there's just been so many things that have come in my path. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm listening to the guidance that I'm getting. Well, you got to tell them about the middle of the night catch happiness. Oh yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you believe in God, but I do. And I'm laying in bed and I'm like, okay, God, what the hell do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? Because I was like, really two brain injuries. What am I supposed to do? And all of a sudden I had this wave of like catch happiness. And I'm like, I love it. So I get out of bed, I go to my computer and I see if I can't by the domain name catchhappiness.com and I get catchhappiness.com for $38. I couldn't believe it was one available and two that it was so cheap. And then I had a friend who's a lawyer who actually is Liz neighbor, Liz's neighbor. Um, and he's a patent lawyer and he's like, I'll help you with the trademark. Don't worry, Serena. And I was like, okay. So it, I feel like these things. Oh, and then should I tell the story about the book? I think this is so funny. So I said, I like to connect people. Well, one of my girlfriends was moving to Bali and I had friends that lived there. So I wanted to connect her with them. And um, I called her and I was like, oh, you know, I've got friends that live there and we hadn't talked in a while. And I said, oh, she said, what are you doing now? And I said, oh, I'm writing this book. And she said, what's the title? And I said, well, it's C-Cube Creating Conscious Connections. And she said, what's the title? And I tell her again. She's like, oh my God, Serena, I feel like there's angels in the room right now. And I said, why do you say that? She's like, literally three days ago, I rebranded to Sarah B. Fit, but I was creating consciousconnections.com. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so she gave me the domain name. I'm not a statistician, but I'm not sure. Like, what is the possibility of that happening? So then that was like a beacon that, yes, this is the right path you're on. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is very crazy. Well, I mean, listen, the universe is bending and sort of, as you say, it's how many times do you need to be told before you take something on board, right? You know, it's... You're being... She was literally hit over the head. <laughs> like, you're not getting the message. <laughs> hey, listen, I get it. Sometimes I just don't get the hint. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the significance gets stronger and stronger, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you both often look for signs to see that you're on the right path or in the right place? Uh, (laughs) We are number nerds. So if it's 11-11, we're like, let's make a wish. And we both, I think, I know I have been seeing like 333, 444, 555. And like all the time I'm seeing these number patterns that feels (laughs) like if you Google any of that stuff, it's like, well, the angels are telling you you're on the right path. And uh, we're just, we just keep putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other. And so we do weird things like we just applied for an interview with uh, Thrive Global. I don't know if you've heard of Thrive Global. And Authority Magazine was putting out for experts in happiness and an expert in resilience. And we sent the application at exactly, I think, 222. <laughs> and heard within an hour, we want to interview you. And that just feels like unprecedentedly fast but awesome so yeah we do <laughs> so fa- do we have a favorite number then or a base 11, number 11 11 i think yeah. that's the one well 
There you go. It is the one, literally. It's a lot of ones. <laughs> a lot of ones. It's, do you know, it's funny. It actually comes up in, in topics quite often, I find. It's uh, this is the numerology side of things and, you know, how people, whatever it means to you, I suppose. It's, it's whatever's right, you know. Do, do you both feel that you are where you're supposed to be now? You know, I am 51 now and I, you know, always thought that I would... I went to college, got my degree. I thought I'd get married, have children, buy a house, you know, the American dream. But that wasn't the path that I was on. Instead, I've traveled the world. I'm up until now, not married, but have a great boyfriend. And, you know, you never know what life holds for you. So I would like more for my life. And I would also like to be able to help more people in this world because I feel like, you know, being a pharmacist, I felt like I helped people, but I also feel like it was on such a smaller level. And as Liz mentioned, I feel like we need to teach people these tools because thank goodness we have medication, but we're an over-medicated society. And that breaks my heart. And, you know, being a pharmacist, it was heavy dispensing anti-anxiety meds to 15, 16 year olds, because what is their future going to be? Mm. So that's why I became a heart math trainer, because it's specific tools to help with anxiety and to help people with that. So, yes, I do feel like I'm on the right path, but I'm not where I mean, I hopefully will always growing and learning and evolving in my life. I don't ever want to be stagnant. Mm. I, I, have, I have the exact opposite. Um, my parents had a horrible divorce when I was young and I was like, I'm never getting married and I'm never having children because I know I'm hard to live with and I'm almost guaranteed to get divorced and I don't want to put any three, any children through what I went through. And I was going to be an ambassador to France. I didn't know you had to like know the president to be the ambassador to France. <laughs> um, and then I met my now husband and it shifted everything. And now I have three children, one of whom was born in Australia of all places. And, uh, and I am happy married and we work every day on our marriage in a positive way but totally different path than I expected but I've now owned it and here's a law of attraction or whatever you want to call it thing I was going through old papers in a box about a year ago I don't know a couple years ago and I came across this kindergarten when I grow up I want to be and I had written mom and I was like oh well, there you go then. <laughs> um, and so I think we're both like learning and growing and feel like we'd love to just, I think we both have had situations where, you know, I was hit by a car and I was in a scuba accident and I've been in a car accident where I hit my head too. And we both have had these brushes with death or near death and just feel like, you know, if you don't realize how gift at what a gift of life is, like, especially we in Western society and, you know, we've got so much privilege and fortune. Like we just need to use that gift to support others in uplifting themselves or not suffer or whatever the thing is. And so many people are sitting in suffering and not realizing like you have two legs, you have two arms, and even somebody who's missing an arm still can see where other people can't see or hear where the people can't hear. And there's just always something to be thankful for, but not everybody realizes that. I mean, hop on any social media and you'll see like there's so many people just just living in misery and just choosing to be, you know, 
unkind and ungrateful. And I just feel like there could be a huge shift if, if more people were aware and just in gratitude. I'm going to think you're both slightly accident prone people. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of incidents and accidents and issues. And, you know, it's like, uh, I'm not sure you're safe to be around at the moment. (laughs) What do you think? I mean, that giving gratitude, how important do you think it is in your life? I mean, for, for what's going on, good and bad, right? Because not everyone is on cloud nine. Not everyone's in their you know, living their best life. I mean, how important is gratitude for people who are in maybe different states or different places in their life? I would say gratitude is very important. It doesn't need to be anything big. I mean, there's good and bad in everybody's life. But what do you want to focus on? You could just say I had a nice cup of coffee or I had a nice conversation or I have gratitude for the smile my child gave me or whatever it might be or the hug that I got from somebody. It doesn't need to be huge because we all have different challenges. And, you know, I'm certified in the science of happiness and it's been proven scientifically that having a gratitude journal helps bring more happiness to your life. And I feel like we have to be proactive and some days suck. You know, we all have days that are really awful, but there's a glimmer of good in our day, whether it's the sun was shining or a beautiful flower you saw. Have Having gratitude for the things that Maybe little, but can also help bring more happiness to your life is important to me. And I would also add to that being in a growth mindset, like sitting in a growth mindset with set with gratitude, even if you've just lost your job. And especially during COVID, a lot of people have lost their job. But look at all the pivoting that's happening. Look at all the innovation that's been happening. And so many people are like, well, I've always wanted to fill in the blank. And now they're doing it because they, they, you know, are recognizing that this thing happened and I can choose, turn it into an opportunity, you know? Mm. It's, it is so important, isn't it? I mean, these, these things happen all the time, right? And it's, the question is how you want to perceive that, you know, is it good? Is it bad? Who knows? You know, right. It's that old poem. It's, you know, it's your choice, how you perceive any event going on in your life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there was a quote that said, you know, everything is energy and that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality that you want. And you cannot help but get that reality. This is not philosophy. This is physics. And I I think that's an interesting quote, because even though we have challenging days, if we can stay focused in the direction we want to go, as we said, we're going to attract more things into our lives. But I think that um, with the challenges we face, we have to allow some time to like maybe punch a bat, uh, pillow or get that frustration out, go for a run, whatever it might be to let that stress out because it's not good for your physiology and to allow yourself to like, you know, have a yelling, screaming time so that you can release that and say, okay, how can I take this challenge and make opportunities out of it? Because they're going to come. Unfortunately or unfortunately, those challenges are going to come in life. Yeah. And I would add to that, that mindfulness is not just breath work. It's that awareness. And so when you can be aware of like how your body is feeling and think like, 
Wow. And every never now and then, especially with being on Zoom a lot, like I'll be like, I need to go move my body and I'll just get up and go walk around the block with the dog, you know, and I just really move my body and kind of, or maybe even jump up and down. You know, if you're feeling like a little off and you're not sure why you can move your body in ways that shake off that energy or whatever, get those endorphins flowing. And, but it's being aware in the moment, like, what am I feeling? And, um, yeah. Just adding on to what you said. <laughs> Bit of a weird one, but do you, either of you think you've been here before? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> this is my 648th life. <laughs> I would say yes, because there's times that I meet people and I feel like I've met this person before and I've never met them. And you just feel this inherent connection with them. Like, wow, I just feel like we've had this conversation before. We've been in the same room together and we've never met each other before mm. yeah i sort of get that i get that sort of energy about you both and it's interesting i don't know it's a light thing the light's flicking slightly which is, is giving it's almost like this ethereal energy pulsing going on so i'm like <laughs> but, uh, no it's just super super interesting well what what do you think you guys are capable of anything i don't i mean we've both lived through some pretty hard and heavy stuff and yeah, no. I mean, I feel like capable of. I, I don't want to limit myself, so I want to say I can move through whatever in life. And the goal for us, as you know, with our winning wellness experience course collection, is to help the world be a better place and to help people be more conscious of their surroundings because. You know, now, with, are you familiar with epigenetics? Don't think so. This is fascinating. I think you'll really like this because we always used to think that DNA was our destiny, right? We can't control the DNA we're dealt, but we now know that that's not the truth, that epigenetics, they can have twins that are born, so identical twins, and one is in like a great job situation, really great partner. And the other one is maybe more in toxic relationships. And the one that's in toxic relationships will get cancer and the other one won't. Why is that? They're identical twins. And the reason is, is because certain genes are not expressed or they are expressed. And so our environment has an impact. The people we surround ourselves with, the exercise we do or do not do, the food that we eat, the chemicals we're exposed to, everything in our environment has an impact on our physiology. And we want people to be conscious of that because it's affecting the expression of their genes. It gets down to the basics, you know, and why is somebody who seems healthy, why do they die at a young age? Maybe they're in, you know, they've had genes that are expressed that cause that to happen. You never know, but I do think it's important to encourage people to look at the environments in their life and make sure that they're going nature and connect with nature, connect with their own bodies connect with other people because that helps to bring more happiness too. There's an interesting book that I just read. It's by Dr. Perry and Oprah, and it's called What Happened to You. Instead of saying what's wrong with you, the language is what happened to you because all sorts of things have happened to people. And basically they say you can heal from any trauma, but he goes a little bit deeper and more specifically into the epigenetics and the DNA, how it's there's, there's essentially cells that are turned on or turned off depending on what's happened to us. 
And it's, it's a really fascinating read if you get a chance to read it. Uh, but it kind of gives a little bit more depth to what Serena's talking about. It's true, though. They talk about abandoned children and abused children who, you know, grow up and have this, there's this ripple effect. If they're aware and they can, through therapy or whatever, can heal it, uh, then they can, they can move through it and past it. So mm. it's always, it is always interesting because, I mean, a very curious statement I find is, you know, when people talk about your void being your, you know, your voids are your values. And that's both a healthy and a dangerous statement, in my opinion, you know, because as you say, if someone has a traumatic child event, chances are, I don't know, say there was a lack of money in the family, then they're driven by money until they get money. And then they realize that actually they've, that was their value. So they've now achieved it and are now lost. Um, but vice versa, it can also be an incredibly motivating force. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's interesting when a traumatic event at what point do you compensate for it? And at what point do you heal it? I don't know if you have any thoughts on that and, and what's the difference? Well, I think that being true to yourself and being vulnerable and saying, yeah, I had this happen to me and this is weighing on my heart. How can I move through this? And I don't think, you know, digging deep into the past necessarily is going to help, but it's just like, how can I empower myself to move past this and not have those limiting beliefs or have those fears because many times fears hold us back from being our best selves and false evidence appearing real yeah yeah they've got so many different acronyms for that you know and they say uh, fear is something that can suppress people where you know if you can move past those negative experiences and have a growth mindset, I think you can do better in life. But I, I do think therapy helps a lot of people. And, you know, I'll share with you that I've always been a very happy person, very happy, but uh, probably six months before my bicycle accident, I was feeling in the dumps, like really in the dumps. And I thought, what is wrong with me? And it was like a month. And I went to my doctor and I said, can you just draw my vitamin D level? Because I'm feeling really depressed right now. And he drew it and he was like, oh my gosh, Serena, this is the lowest vitamin D level I've ever seen. And I thought, that is weird. So because I'm outdoors all the time and when we're in the sun, it helps produce more vitamin D. So we started supplementing and thank goodness within a month, I felt so much better, but it was just something so simple as my vitamin D level that caused my depression and being a pharmacist, I told everybody, I was like, make sure your vitamin D level's okay. Cause if we could do, you know, treat with that instead of an antidepressant, that would be great. But then I did experience depression after my second brain injury because I was feeling like, why am I even here? What is happening? What is going on? And I had to get on antidepressants and see a counselor because I had to move through that pain that I was experiencing and those feelings of depression. But thankfully, I was able to you know, taper off and move forward and feel good about who I am in my life now again. But I had never experienced depression prior to those two times. And because I'm always very happy, go lucky and have fun. But it just was being honest with myself and asking for help. I think that's important. So would you say that health is a value? 
Would you say that that's a value? Because if you're void of health, think, then you do. Well, it comes, it actually brings in another question I sort of have is what wellness means to you? What wellness means to me is, uh, well, our word of the week is balance. I think that wellness for me is when I feel healthy in my body, mind, and spirit. And the things that'll throw me off of that or it can be as simple as, um, my son was depressed for an unexplained reason for about two years, starting before COVID. It was leading into a senior year of high school. And I was doing, we as parents were doing everything we could to help. And of course, you know, cobbler shoes or, or the cobbler son shoes are the worst or whatever. Like my kids don't listen to me when I say deep breaths, you know, they don't, my own children don't practice what I preach yet. And uh, so he was super resistant to do. And I read this book about the nine causes of depression, blah, blah, blah. And there's simple things like being in nature, connecting with other humans, good diet, exercise, you know, and all the things. Mindfulness is one of them. Uh, not not cause of depression, but a, a solution for depression. And uh, he wouldn't do any of those things. And uh, he just went off to college and he's rock climbing and he's playing chess and he's in class and he's up in the mountains at Colorado School of Mines and he's hanging out with people and getting outside and he's happy again. <laughs> and... Uh, I feel so much lighter and I didn't realize I was carrying around my own depression. I practice what we preach. I never had to go on meds, um, but I take the vitamin D. I take all these you know, herbs and whatnot and exercise and get outside and all those things. But I still felt muted in my wellness. And so I think wellness can be how we are with our nutrition, with our exercise, with our hydration and all kinds of things. Um, but also it's our mental health, health, sorry, mental health. And if the people around us are suffering, it affects our wellness too, I think. So that's why it's super important. At least for me, it was super important to meditate for 30 minutes every single day, to practice gratitude every single day, to go exercise every single day. Like on any given day, if I miss one of the elements, I feel off balance. So in our wellness course collection, we've added in, um, we've got the, the sleep expert. We've got a mindful fitness woman who essentially over-exercised and ended up with a pacemaker. So she teaches about listening to your body. We've got a chef who talks about food and bringing joy into cooking, but she also focuses on reducing um, food waste. So that helps the planet. We've got a a lawyer who talks about turning challenges into opportunities. We've got a yoga instructor who does a whole 30 minute practice for alleviating stress and anxiety. And we have a woman talking, talking about the nine environments of you and all the different elements to lead to balance. And so I think we're hoping that between all of that and the resiliency, happiness, visioning, and mindfulness that we bring, it's, it's holistic wellness. So it kind of feels like you're winning. Yeah. yeah, and I think wellness is, you know, well-being of everything in your life. Um, but there's always going to be ups and downs. I mean, overall wellness is a goal that sometimes is you've got to be an active player in wellness. I don't think it just comes. Yeah. And you have to choose to not watch the news too much. You have to choose to step off of social media. You have to choose to turn your phone off or not be watching TV at night. And those are hard choices for people. You know, if you've watched the social dilemma, which I don't know if you've seen that movie and talks about basically how addictive it's 
in the it's in the menu or it's in the uh, recipe that they are getting us all addicted to social media with the alerts and the so and so is here and creating FOMO and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 a challenge to be holistically well right now. I think mm. it is hard, isn't it? Because it's it's basically it's it's you versus you know corporate marketing and and sort of branding specialists, marketing specialists you know sort of uh, you know and that's the things so we're saying oh it's just it's just social media and it's like yes yeah, there's so much more to it than that right you know it's we are you know you're the product that's the one thing to bear in mind you know people say oh it's free it's like no not when you're the product you're you are on the menu basically whether you like it or not yeah it, there's so many distractions in our world it's funny because one of my brothers he's an electrical engineer and he doesn't own a cell phone nor will he he's like serena why would i have that they track everything and i was like wow he's like i he's like they should pay you to have a cell phone and i was like wow that's interesting i never thought of that but he won't he won't buy one i thought okay he's standing firm yeah it's 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 going to come to that do, do you think there is a you know, there's a big change at the moment. And, and what's your thoughts on really when this was the last 18 months, you know, have people changed? Have people become more aware to their wellness, their well-being? What's going on, do you think? Well, I don't really know because I kind of stepped away from social media. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I think that a lot of people, I'm hearing a lot, um, we've listened to a few of your episodes and uh, it does seem like people are finding Oh, it's okay to slow down. It's okay to take a moment. I know our local park is more full than ever. People are walking their dogs. And um, yeah, I think, I, I hope that people are realizing, and as an environmentalist, I'm thrilled that people are realizing that they don't have to be in a different city in the world every week to do business and to connect with other humans. Having said that, in person, physical human connection is important. So I think it's, again, coming back to that balance. But I think that people, I know my husband, he's a, he's a management consultant and he used to travel four days a week for the last 26 years and all over the globe. And he loves the pandemic. He's like, <laughs> I can make coffees at home any moment. I can take the dog for a four to six mile walk every day. And I can take my calls and listen to audiobooks while I'm doing it. And he's thrilled, you know, and I know there's other people that are feeling that way. Having said that, there are a lot of people that feel really lonely and isolated. And so that's hard too. That's a a negative aspect of it, I would say. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely been time of change, I think is probably the the overall overarching feeling for a lot of people. So tell me with, with the, you know, the course and the service that you're offering, I mean, what what do you feel? Who is it really sort of aimed at, and and what journey and what path do you believe you can you can bring them on? I would say, I we both want to reach out to whomever would benefit from it, but we think that you know moms who probably are in their you know twenty five to forty five age and are about wellness in general and you know, they have children and they want to teach them these tools too and make it a family affair, you know, like, okay, let's all sit down and write in our gratitude journal, say something we have gratitude for at dinner or start to have that in the family. Because like we said, it has a ripple effect and we want to 
be able to have people have these simple tools in their lives and to think, oh, I can use this as a resource to maybe deal with this challenge that I'm having, or I can do my 30 minute yoga and feel better about my anxiety, or my I can take a 20 minute nap. There's just so much in this course that will help people, you know, live a more balanced, well life, I, I believe. Yeah. And I would add to that, uh, ultimately, hopefully teachers and frontline workers, medical workers are so burnt out and exhausted. And if we can give them just a few tools to help them, whether it's a quick breathing exercise or the 30 minute yoga or her heart math breathing exercise incredibly shifts your energy in a few minutes. If, if we could be working with hospitals and corporations and lawyers and doctors and teachers, teachers are also super exhausted. Um, but I know a lot to your point about the, um, a lot of parents I spoke to through the pandemic or they were just overwhelmed because they were trying to navigate their job and be homeschool teachers over Zoom with, you know, four and five-year-olds are not, they should not be learning that way. It's they need to be doing play-based work and being with their peers. And so everybody's sort of burned out, but I would, I would say our first primary um, ideal client would be parents to start with it's very true isn't it it's been a it's been a very challenging time i suppose the last really 18 months for people because of the amount of change but i mean do you think overall potentially the world's going to be in a better state as a result of it i mean i know there's obviously these immediate impact and, and that's not to take away from that uh, you know people who have been directly affected but in terms of mental health in general do you believe it's been a a catalyst for change, maybe an improvement or or what's your overall thoughts? I would think that people are becoming more honest or true to what they're feeling. You know, it's unfortunate because the depression and anxiety has risen during COVID and suicide, which breaks my heart. Um, but I think we're addressing the truth behind people's emotions and getting down to like, what can we do to help these people and having resources out there for them. And I do believe people are becoming more conscious of how they're feeling and not being ashamed to say I'm depressed or I'm dealing with too much. It's removed a lot of the stigma, I think. And I'm seeing things like uh, we were looking at, Oh gosh, they had like back to school night online. So we were watching these videos of the teachers the other day. And I noticed that one of the ones that the kids were supposed to watch was a suicide awareness video that they, it said, watch this with the teacher or something. And so it's becoming more and more relevant, like a relevant topic that they're addressing, that people are addressing more widespread, which I think that's, that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of overall wellness, I mean, and, and that sort of winning wellness experience for you guys, I mean, do you have any tips or or guidance for people as to what they could start to do today in terms of helping them to actually get on the journey and get started, really? I would say, one, put a smile on your face when you wake up, because that will help produce positive chemicals within your body to help your day and be intentional in your day. Set different, like, okay, what are, what do I want my day to hold? What can I introduce to my day to have more happiness? 
can I have a five minute dance party or whatever it might be that brings you happiness and be intentional and know that your actions have an impact on those around you and that um, take a deep breath and be present. Yeah, that that single deep breath can be hugely impactful. Uh, One thing our family does before we eat, and we've always done this with the kids, is we say we go around the table and say one thing we're thankful for. And it just needs to be one thing that day. And some days it's the food in front of you because you can't think of anything better. And some days it's like I rocked my presentation at school or whatever. Just being able to like quickly review your day at the, so start your day with a smile if you can. And like she said, even if you have to force it, your body doesn't know the difference. But then at the end of the day, sort of take a recap of like, well, there was this one good thing that happened today, even if it feels like things are really hard. Um, And, you know, what we're offering individual, like each element isn't, isn't unique on its own. You can go to YouTube and find tens of thousands of mindfulness videos. You can go to any of the hundreds of meditation apps and get what we teach for free anytime. But I feel like what we're offering is a curation of a bunch of different techniques, tools uh, that are all backed by science. So we've been practicing it for decades. We've done the research. We've gotten certified in the science of happiness and the resiliency. She's a heart math trainer. So she's certified in teaching resiliency. And I've gone through the mindful schools program. So we've, we've done a lot of the hard work that's taken thousands of dollars and we just have brought it all in one place. So we've brought in all those different elements and you can do a two minute video or a 30 minute video and as time allows kind of a thing. But the reality is it's very simple. Like I said, we have our lungs with us from the moment we're born till the moment we die. And so the reality is we all have what we need to get through this with a smile and a deep breath can make a huge difference. And I would add to what she said about a dance party, putting on a song that always lifts your spirits can just I mean, for me, it's Happy by Pharrell Williams. No matter how crappy I feel, that song just always cheers me up, especially if I get up and move my body. And you can shift if you don't want to be feeling sad. Sometimes we want to have a good cry, and that has all these scientific benefits too. But if you want to feel differently, if you want to feel better, you've got the power inside you. Are you a closet or a a shower singer by chance? (laughs) <laughs> the acoustics is really good are really good at <laughs> I, can, I just have this vision of yeah sort of belting out the song going down the road you know it's complete windows down the whole lot but a Pharrell Williams sometimes it's like that if I get frustrated in traffic hmm. I'll crank up the volume in the car and scream it out you know and that can be helpful too you know so what's what's ahead for you folks what's either on the on the sort of the really the, the goal list or the bucket list or, or on the sort of near future? Well, personally, I love speaking to groups. I love, I love that experience. We both love to travel. So I think we're hoping ultimately speaking to groups while traveling with our men. <laughs> yeah. And having, the thing is, is trying to have the, having a positive impact on our world. And I think that 
if we're able to, you know, work with companies and do workshops with them live and then also give our course to, you know, with that and then have a follow-up at the end and be able to, uh, you know, have a positive impact on a large group of people because like we talked about before, the ripple effect and spread that happiness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Help people catch and spread happiness is important. Mm. And where where would you find yourselves in flow state? Is is it in front of people? Is it in that sort of talking environment when you know you're getting to share? Is is that your natural flow and creative space? I would say, yeah, I love connecting with people all over the world. I've been fortunate to take two six month trips around the world by myself, and I met people like it was amazing, like the cultures and the people that I met, and I was just like, I'll go to remote areas, and um, and I feel like. When you get that connection and you can see the differences in our cultures and our beliefs and everything, but then when it gets down to the basic, the core, we're all human. We all have similar needs and desires. I mean, yeah, it varies, but I think that in general, as a world, humans want the same things. We want love. We want health, happiness, good fortune. And I was, I grew up with a, my mother's a professional musician. I grew up performing, uh, singing, playing the flute, whatever else. And I was actually trained to be able to pivot quickly if you make a mistake and sort of just stay in that. You called it flow state. I feel like I get in that flow state ideally when I'm playing my flute for, for, for people. It's that human connection element and speaking, well, especially to kids. I really get in a flow state when I'm speaking to groups, but especially kids. Yeah. Mm, it's always, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's always interesting to see, you know, when people actually are, are most creative or most connected, you know, and, and sort of taking time for themselves or what's going on, you know, what, what, seeing what we're capable of, I suppose, maybe is more interesting or fascinating. In terms of, I mean, for, for actually, you know, when you're working and when you're going through and, uh, do you tend to work together creatively or do you tend to actually work separately and, and sort of share ideas after what's, you know, cause some people are pain driven, some people are pleasure driven, right. You know, and, and again, the language you use sort of suggests a mixture of trying to solve a pain or to create a pleasure. So I'm, I'm curious to know what your creation process is between the two of you. And also individually, are you pain driven or pleasure driven? Do you think? Well, I would say both because we will, We'll have a preparing for this podcast. We we went through and sort of curated questions we thought you might ask, and then we went separately, and then we came together. So we do end up doing a lot of work, like when we were creating the um, online course over Zoom. Like we'll get on a Zoom meeting and we'll share screens and we'll talk through things together. But we also have our isolated time where we brainstorm on our own. So I think it's both. But we're both absolutely pleasure driven. <laughs> yeah, definitely pleasure driven. Yeah. Chocolate coffee one. <laughs> it's always an interesting one. Guilty pleasure then. It's chocolate coffee wine seems to come right out. <laughs> well, when we work together, there's always coffee and sometimes there's chocolate just, just to keep us going and yeah. What what's your go-to in the chocolate world? Oh dark. Yeah, dark I'm a dark better. chocolate girl. Yeah. <laughs> and in the wine, red, white, any particular flavor, color? Red? I'm a red person, yeah, yeah. definitely. Deep, Malbec, deep bold reds. <laughs> Interesting. So you you have a lot of similarities between the two of you, right? So you, I mean, do you feel connected spiritually as, as well as obviously through you, the work that you do? Do you think? 
I feel so. very connected. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting. We're very different people and we have very different lives. But there was, when we first met, when I was speaking at her high, her child's high school, there was a connection like, wow, I really like this person and what they're trying to bring to the world. And we just, and it was interesting because I spoke at their high school and literally two weeks later, we both happened to be in Breckenridge. I was like, this is weird. So a group of us all met for happy hour and we're like, okay, well, maybe we've been placing each other's paths for a reason. So I do feel like there's a spiritual connection. It's like the opposite of getting hit on the head. <laughs> I was going to say, thank God you didn't mate in a car accident or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for. It's like just be grateful that it was a, an innocent and a nice event, a nice meeting. Yeah, definitely. Well, you have to realize these events all happened over the course of fifty years. Each of the all the ones we spoke about, but for Serena, like her first one was being struck by lightning, and the second one she almost drowned in a. I, I white fell off water. a twenty-one foot waterfall in New Zealand. Yeah. So she's a, so I helped edit her book. And so I've gotten to read about also both done a lot of passion, you know, is this your passion, your purpose work? And so it just feels right, you know. And again, like I think we both feel like I I know I had the situation in, in 2007, my very best friend from age three to 35 died very suddenly. And I had the incredible gift of being, we were living in Australia at the time and she was in Denver. We were home visiting for the holidays. And I happened to be able to be there when her life force spirit left her body. And it was an incredible transformative moment for me of realizing up to that point, I had felt like a victim, like this happened to me and being a mom was really hard. And I didn't feel like I was in power of my choices. And like I said, my parents' divorce was very traumatizing for me. And so something shifted in that moment. And I went, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be this way anymore. And then ever since then, things have just come in my path to help me do the deep dive of exploration and healing and um, recognizing the patterns of the poor me mentality and, and just getting out of that and realizing like, we have the power of choice in every moment. And so the power for me was going every day, I choose to be a mom. I would be a complete jerk if I just left my husband and kids right now, but I do have that power. I do have that choice. And no matter how bad your life is, you always have a choice, you know, and it, it's, and it might be scary to leave a country where, you know, the cartels are in charge and you have to go across the border with your son and maybe you get separated, but there was choice in that moment too. There, there's always choice and choice to pursue, you know, legal action or not choice to whatever I'm going on and on. But anyway, um, yeah. Well, our choices have a compounding effect and, I forget which philosopher said this, but he said, um, life is between this life is a C between B and D. The C is our choices between our birth and our death. And the choices we make have an effect and it has a compounding effect as far as like, what will your life be? And yeah, we all make mistakes. But if you are true to your heart, I think that you'll be more able to move through those challenges. And, um, but 
Yeah. And today's a new day. I don't want people to like live in the past because there's so many people who are complaining about things that happened in 1990. I'm like, okay, let's move on. Let's like move to today and move forward because we can't change what happened in the past. And we can also choose who we spend time with, who the people that light us up, make us feel valued and and worthwhile to be around and they what's this something about like the you you become like the five people you spend the most time with or something yeah, like that's Jim Rohn, choose, Jim, choose Rohn wisely. That. Jim Rohn said that he said if you you're the combination of the five people that you spend the most time with or yeah something like that yeah it's it's, it's fascinating I mean where, where do you set in terms of you know fate versus free will I mean because you talked a lot about choice there as well but also you know, an element of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's almost like a universal power, universal guidance as well. So fate, free will, what's your thoughts? Fate um, versus free will. I would say that we all make choices and our choices have an impact. And I, I don't necessarily think that you get on this earth and you're going to, this is what's going to happen. We make choices every day that can shift our lives. And I, I don't believe we're going to be just, this is what's going to happen. There's no difference. Your choices have not, I, I think choice, I would say. Yeah. And if, can, can I, do I have time to elaborate a little bit on what's come sure. up for me? Sure. Um, I, I think it comes down to free will mostly because the, everything that's happened to me uh, that was a, an accident of sorts led to a lesson that was very important or so in the case of I was hit by a car when I was, I was riding my bike home from a flute lesson and I was hit by a car, broke the windshield with my head. Well, back then we weren't wearing helmets, but I did a dumb thing. I didn't look before I turned and didn't pay attention to the sound of the car behind me. And I was hit by a car and it caused a lifetime of back pain and probably a head injury and whatever else. But now I always look, I've trained my kids to, to, to look and wear your helmet. And I've, and I have that experience to draw on to say, look, this is why this is important. In the case of um, the car accident that I was in where I hit my head, I was doing something that wasn't in resonance with my life. I was selling skincare to my friends and it had caused this huge rift in a relationship. And I was on the phone with my friend talking through something and I wasn't careful. I was distracted and I was T-boned by a car. And in the case of the scuba accident that I was in, where I was flight for life, that was medevaced out, um, we had, I had been planning for 20 years to come back with our kids to go on a scuba trip in Australia and um, ended up, my mother-in-law came along and I didn't really want to just hang out with her on the boat. You know, I didn't really frankly want her on that trip. I wanted it to be our family of five. And I managed to get myself to have immersion pulmonary edema and get medevaced. And so I wasn't a part of that, <laughs> but hanging out with the mother-in-law on the boat. And my mother-in-law is a wonderful woman. And really what I learned from that is be more open to whatever the adventure may bring. Um, but learning, you know, I, I kind of feel like I manifested that medevac in, in a sense. And so fate, maybe there is a universal energy that's going like, Serena, you're not getting it. Strike one, Serena, you're not getting it. Strike two, you know, before she finally goes, okay, 
pharmacy, pharmacy is not my livelihood. I have bigger and better things that I could be doing with the gifts that I've received of, of continued life and happiness and all these things. And I could be aware that, you know, trying to keep my mother-in-law from being on a very special trip when she may not be able to travel in a few years, selfish, you know, and um, if I would have been more open, we probably would have had a blast. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of the universe going, mm, your way of thinking is not, is not good for you is not the best. And, you know, most healthy thought pattern, maybe. <laughs> I think that's quite common, though, isn't that for people that, you know, what we think and what we say and what we do are all different things. You know, it's I always funny, you know, I, sort of asking that question of are you, you the truest version of you? And because I, I do believe we have the true version. We have the version we are today, the version we think we should be, the version that we think that we are, the version that other people think we are. And the version that other people think we should be. So it's like, where do we all sit? And, and it's that sort of pleaser status. It's that sort of seeking attention. It's that sort of seeking, you know, forgiveness or seeking permission. And, and you know, all these things, you know, the soul is always looking for something, I believe. Or I don't know, what's what's your thought? Do you, you know, are we always sort of seeking to be something else? Or or is it is that the whole trick to this wellness and well-being is, is just being okay with who you are? I think just being who you are and being present is so important, but it's not, as you said, easy to come by. And we all have different gifts. And many times we compare ourselves to other people. I wish I had this. I wish I had this. And not allowing ourselves to have our gifts shine. And I think we, and I, I talk about a secret code I like to share with everyone and it's P cubed. So P raises the third power. And that's the fact that we all have purpose, passion, and endless possibilities. And we all need to know this to be able to bring our best selves forward. But I think many times we forget to do that. I would also add to that though, that it is sometimes challenging to, like if you feel like you've evolved or become healthier, it's it's hard to maintain that sometimes when you go back and visit old friends or family who still see you in that old light. And um, I know I struggled with that with my husband for years. I think what I showed at home with, you know, feeling maybe overwhelmed by having teenagers and whatnot um, was not the best version of myself. But I was recently, he recently invited me to teach mindfulness to his team. And I thought, okay, something shifted. I'm finally being more of the, the person who I think I am inside, the one that all the little kids see me as at home with my husband, with my kids. And it's taken it, shifting something and releasing something. And I think it's that ego needing it to be a certain way needing the acknowledgement and just settling into. And actually the other thing that shifted in that case was that his brother has started doing meditation with his corporation. And he was so thrown by that. He was like, maybe there's something to this. But then after I did the presentation, he said, you did a great job. I thought, okay, okay. <laughs> maybe I am finally being able to be that person. But I think if you, you know, if I go back and visit my sister, I'm going to have to work at, you know, Okay, represence, find that moment, find the present, find the present, find the present. 
And um, one thing that I've learned, and it's hard to admit this on a on an interview where we're speaking the whole time, is that silence is absolutely golden. Some of the most magical conversations I've had are the ones where I've really focused on just listening. Mm. I find it fascinating. Exactly. I mean, not that listening, but uh, and the listening in silence, you know, and how silence can be very good for your wellness and also it can be not bad. It can be an indication of less good things for want of bad, lack of language. Let's just say uh, my point being, I suppose, depression and meditation have very similar characteristics in terms of the action. You know, it is retreat, it is silence, it is, you know, it's sort of uh, going inward. And I'm always intrigued by how one is healthy, potentially, and one's not so healthy, or maybe not sort of in alignment. Right. Well, it has to do, going back to the balance thing, too. You know, it's it's interesting because after... I mean, the brain injuries, I was very conscious of what can I do to help my brain health. And um, there's something called BDNF, your brain-derived neurotropic factor. Have you ever heard of this? No. Um, It helps with synapses in your brain and helps with your brain health. And meditation helps with that. And so that's another impetus for me to meditate every day is to, one, help with my brain. It helps increase gray matter helps you be more focused. It allows you to have more prefrontal cortex access. So there's so many benefits to meditation, helps with your immune system. And with COVID, we all need to have the best immune system possible. So meditation can help with many physiological challenges, not just, you know, calmness, but it also helps with your, you know, other things as well, your immune system, your brain. But having watched through, I mean, I've had my dark moments and having watched my son, who was the happiest go lucky kid forever, and then all of a sudden he wasn't, recognizing that um, I think if you have had that experience of going into a little bit of depression, or at least getting, you know, how we can't have light without dark, we can't really have the highs without the lows. And so being able to experience the low, I wouldn't stay down there too long because I don't think it's healthy, but it helps you give, it helps give you an appreciation and gratitude for when you're feeling good and happy. And then I think the the dips become less deep. So if you can start to recognize, oh, I'm feeling bad. I don't want to feel bad. Or or I would say also like feeling what you're feeling, like feelings into sadness. Why am I feeling this way and feeling it and allowing yourself to cry? As I mentioned earlier, crying is actually incredibly healthy. It releases this buildup of manganese that can lead to increases in, um, cortisol levels, which is our stress hormone. And so if you feel like you need to cry, there might be a physiological reason why you need to cry. So cry, you know, Mm -hmm. go to the restroom or whatever, go in your car, shut the door, go in your closet, shut the door and cry it out or encourage to say, you know, I really could use a hug to somebody who's available to you, you know, I mean, with consent, of course. (laughs) Um, And I, I do that now. Like, can I, can I have a hug? Can I give you a hug? Um, Because hugging has all these great benefits too. Um, But yeah, I think depression, that silence and self-exploration can actually, I wouldn't encourage it, but I think that that's, it's an, it's an interesting, fascinating area to be cognizant of and realize that if you've felt that way, there's some learning in there for yourself probably. And um in the case of my son, it turned out to be strictly chemical, which only something like 8% of people actually have a chemical imbalance. 
and a few things shifted for him. But um, usually there are things that you can do to shift out of depression if you don't want to be there. But again, I wouldn't stay down there too long. I wouldn't stay in it too long if you can can get out of it quickly. But there is some something about exploring our emotions that's powerful. I think probably also is recognition, right? It's sort of knowing that, and you both mentioned it there, maybe not being in the best of states, you know, maybe not just being, you know, whether it is low vitamin D or whether it's chemical or whatever it is, it's sort of going, I'm not in good form, you know, and that's okay. Let's, you know, let's go into practical mode here. What can be done as opposed to uh, running a story on top and, you know, poor me and helpless and whatever else. So recognition and admissions maybe a bit of a i don't know a, a strong word but recognition and sort of sharing is maybe quite powerful for people out there to maybe just think about definitely and i feel like with um being connected to your body and being truthful like okay what am i feeling why am i feeling this and you know i want to because i think so many times we get so busy in our lives we race 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 from one thing to the next and COVID, i think is slowing things down a little bit but i think we forget to check in with our bodies with our significant others with our friends to make sure hey is everything okay are we okay and i feel like i should use this opportunity in this moment to emphasize that neither of us are trained psychologists or psychiatrists and I think it's important to acknowledge that suicide is a permanent solution to what is hopefully a temporary problem. And that if anyone listening is feeling any sort of thoughts of self-harm to absolutely reach out for help, there are suicide hotlines and there are emergency programs for anyone who's thinking of self-harm because that is not a healthy solution. And I want to just mention that as I'm talking about exploring deep feelings, like if you get there and think about hurting yourself and it gets serious, like absolutely reach out for professional help. Mm. No, I think, I mean, it's, it's very, very wise words. And I think also as well, it's, it's sort of getting slight uh, strength in the fact that I know a lot of guests I've spoken to is from you know, from the darkest hour comes their brightest moment. You know, it's it's actually the quite often the the darkest moment and the the epiphany or the idea or the change or the decision comes very shortly after. So, um, whilst a very tough position, it can also be a, a milestone, a significant milestone, a moment of change. You know, so it's um, things happens for a reason, right? You know, what they say. Tell me something that not many people know about each of you. I secretly like watching cat videos. <laughs> cat videos. Oh, just any cat videos. No, seriously, though, um, I have played my flute in the Sydney Opera House. Oh, and Carnegie Hall. That's really uh -huh. cool. <laughs> um, let's see. I people don't know about me well i would say that maybe gosh that's a hard one because i'm so open i share everything with people i'm like i don't know that there's much that people don't know i'm a very vulnerable person so it's all in my book i'm a little too vulnerable <laughs> i'm like i share a lot of information in that story but i i don't know that there's I don't know that there's much that people don't know about me. I, I well, you'll have to read the book. <laughs> find out some really Absolutely. <laughs> well, give us a shout out on the book. So give us the exact title as well. 
It's called C cubed or C3 creating conscious connections. And the website is creating consciousconnections.com. You can download the first chapter for free. Yeah. The first chapter for free. And what's, you know, my goal with this book is to one, share my story and two, share science behind like epigenetics and what's called telomeres and different things that affect our physiology and meditation and how these incorporating this into your life can have a positive impact because this life is a gift. And I share science from Dr. Sonia Lubomirsky, and she says that 50% of our happiness is determined by our DNA. 10% is determined by our situations or whether it's our financial situation, our relationships, you know, but if you're in a toxic relationship, it could be more than 10%, obviously. But 40% of our happiness is due to our thoughts and our actions. So we've got a lot of room to introduce more happiness to our lives. So the goal is to help people on their journey in this book. Mm, That's fabulous. Are there going to be more books? I, you know, I'm not going to say no. You never know. I'm (laughs) I'm open to it. Liz's face was very interesting there whenever whenever you were talking about that. Well, I just, she already released two because there was a second edition of the first book. <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh, she's already written Yeah, two. well, it's a, yeah, but it's the same premise. So, yeah. I would say maybe, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Hmm. That's great. Well, listen, it's great that the, the journey is there and, you, you know, you're stepping forward and providing service in those courses. So, you know, where people can actually, you know, reach out and, you know, and, and sort of take it on board. I think that's that's huge, right? You know, that people can, you know, so just so people know. So the, the website to, to go to is the winningwellness.learningworlds.com. I think that's the best website. Just I got that right. Learn It's winningwellness.learnworlds. So learnworlds.com. Yep. Perfect. And we actually have a special promo code that we want to offer up to your listeners. Fantastic. If you go to that website, winningwellness.learnworlds.com, and you go to check out with the Winning Wellness Experience Bundle, which gives you all the 11 courses that we've put together with the co-creators and everything. And you put in Ignite Now. So I-G-N-I-T-E-N-O-W. In the checkout, you'll get $50 off mm-hmm. the Thank course you. collection. And that's in the spirit of fire in the belly, ignite. Night that fire belly. So we would love for your listeners to check it out, and we'd love any feedback if if you'd be open. I assume our email will be in the show notes. But absolutely, I'll put make sure so people know how to reach out. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to share about it. No, listen, that's what's all there about, you know. So, if you were to take one or two words each to describe your fire in the belly, what would they be? Be present. Yeah, mine is being present. Love the clarity there. It's amazing. It doesn't sound like a fire, but there is magic in the present. Mm. It's such a, yeah, it's such a powerful, it, as you said, it sounds less than it is, but it's, yeah, living in the now is huge, absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Your final note or anything, you get a message you'd like to leave with our guest today? Ooh, I have one. Never say anything about anyone that you wouldn't say if they were standing right next to you. And that includes social media. <laughs> mm. Yeah, people get carried away on that every once in a while, for sure. But, um, and I would like to say, be intentional in your day and make sure that you are introducing things to your day that help you be a better you. That's perfect. 
have a dog going nuts. So apologies. <laughs> no, that's cool. Listen, you know, Liz, Cynthia, thank you so you know so much. Um, sorry, Serena, I'm calling you Cynthia, calling you the wrong name. No so. worries. <laughs> um, listen, thank you so much. I appreciate everything you've shared here, and you know, I think it's you've you've such a powerful message there. So thank you both. Thank you both for coming on. It's been great fun, and uh, no doubt we'll see you again. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you. 